This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest podcast. We've got a lot to touch on with this podcast released the day before the Major League Baseball draft. It's a much shortened draft, which includes just five rounds this year and six picks for the Rays. But we do have a packed show. And on the program today, Brendan McKay will reflect on his draft year 2017, but also touch on what the past three months have been like for him. We'll also get a good look at how the Rays are prepping for the draft with Senior Director of Amateur Scouting and Rob Metzler and look back with last year's top pick in Greg Jones. Plus, we'll get an overview of this year's class and the unique circumstances with Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com and MLB Network. Our first conversation, though, is with Rays top pick in 2017, Brendan McKay. He certainly made an impact last year, joining Tampa Bay for the first time and hopefully will be a big part of this year. Brendan, how are you? Doing great. How are you, Neil? Good. Uh, what has this whole stretch been like for you? And have you stayed in Florida during the entire time? Yeah, I've been in Florida. Uh, got a house now down in Tampa, a little bit from the airport. Uh, so I've been down here uh, pretty much since spring training started. Even parts of last year, uh, I was in an apartment with my girlfriend uh, for that period of time. But for me, like it's just been trying to find stuff to, to stay busy and, you know, make, you know, the situation that you're in right now as best as you can without trying to think about it too much or worry about things. You had mentioned right before camp broke that uh, your girlfriend, Allison is in the medical field. How worried were you at the time and how has she been through this whole period? Uh, I mean, I was worried. I wouldn't say like, you know, they're going to try and do everything that, they can to protect them and you know I can only do so much to to protect myself and you know herself too so you know, you, you kind of just have to roll with everything that happens uh, you you obviously try and be a little cleaner uh, at times but you know you still should be doing that to begin with anyway but I mean they, they've done a very good job with her and uh, she actually got tested I think twice so far um, periodically, they did two different tests just to check on who all their all their uh, employees and making sure they're safe as well for them and their families. And your family, uh, I know a lot of them are in Pennsylvania. Have they been all okay through all this? Yeah, they've been okay. I mean, they for uh, kind of sucks. They my uh, my family was in Pennsylvania. They got put on a little bit more tighter restrictions, like they had a. Uh, they had to wear face coverings, you know, kind of from the beginning. Um, a lot of things weren't necessarily essential as, as they were in Florida. So they had, you know, a lot less things to do or freedom to go do things where they were stuck at home. You know, you're going to the grocery store a little bit less often or with as much freedom that you can in, in some other states. How, um, how have you found some sort of routine 
and all this. And have you, what has, what kind of routine have you come up with? For me, I, I play golf a lot. Like I'd play golf probably anywhere from three to five times a week, uh, just depending on what I had going on, uh, my girlfriend's work schedule and just trying to find something to stay active. Um, and, you know, get away from, you know, baseball in a sense. Like I'd play catch in my backyard, uh, just throwing into a net and, uh, just trying to keep the arm moving, but get away, you know, have three, four hours of doing something that keeps you mentally occupied and in that aspect of being competitive, you know, you're trying to shoot your, shoot a good score and, um, you know, execute everything you're trying to do on a golf course. And it, it helps you stay mentally ready and you know, physically ready. You're still exerting yourself and having some kind of routine like that. That's what I like to do. When you finished up in mid-March, I know you were a little bit behind everybody else. Did that, was that actually a benefit at all? And, and do you see it as such? Yeah, I mean, it, at the time it wasn't ideal. Um, but now, you know, everybody has kind of either had to back down on where they were from uh, that point in March, or whether they took a break or kept, uh, you know, kept on with their same routine, trying to stay as ready as they can for the season. But it's... it's it's hard. You don't, you don't want to get to that point where you're, you know, you're ready to play games and uh, you know, it's not coming and you keep getting frustrated and frustrated starts to wear on you mentally. And you, you feel like you, you know, you see no end in sight where you take a break here and there, or, you know, you're, you're on a, on a plan, but if you're, you know, you miss a week, two weeks, it's, it's not like it's going to be the worst thing in the world. Has the mental part been harder or the physical for you being without the game? Definitely mental. Um, you, know, you, you see other sports being able to come back, and we're still not struggling, but you know, there's no clear plan yet or uh, you know, start in sight. But hopefully we, we can come to an agreement sometime soon, and whether it's you know, a very condensed short season or if it's you know, a little bit longer than some people have expected, I just want to get back, back out there and play. And, have fun. You got to throw, I know, a bullpen recently. How, um, how many of those have you thrown, let's say, during this period? And was that on Friday? Was that your first one since the pandemic? Yeah, uh, that was the first one I threw to a catcher. Um, I've thrown kind of some simulated flat grounds in my backyard, um, just trying to keep that intensity going early on. Uh, but as, as time went on, you know, I was like, we need to back it down and kind of give yourself a, a break, you know, refresh your mind, refresh your body. And once we start getting things more into, you know, a picked up state where, you know, there's more talk and it looks like a beginning uh, again in sight, that's when we'll start ramping up. And that's kind of what I did. You know, I took, you know, maybe a two week break at, at some point, uh, I think in end of April, early March, just kind of relax still trying to stay physically ready, but uh, just kind of get away from baseball, refresh and be ready when, you know, we, we started hearing more about baseball being ready and, um, you know, being able to go work out in the trap a little bit. That's kind of when I picked it back up. <clears throat> I know how much you value the fact that the Rays, when you were drafted in 2017, the chance to be a two-way guy. Have you even picked up a bat since this all started and, and, is that kind of disappointing for you? I mean, obviously you can't control the pandemic or anything of that nature, but that you can't, you couldn't do 
both during this? Uh, that was just my, uh, my choice. Um, you know, I know there was, wasn't really a, a, I don't know how to word it, but, uh, you know, the, the pitching was obviously a little bit more ahead of the bat was. So for me, you know, I was going to kind of wait and see how things went. If things got, you know, a little bit more detailed on how the season was going to go, how rosters were going to be uh, and everything. That's when I would try and, you know, talk with, uh, you know, Eric or Cash, some of the other people on the staff and try and figure that out rather than, you know, kind of the same thing, uh, you know, with, with pitching, you know, mentally getting worn down, you, your swing's feeling good, you want to go play and uh, there's no end in sight, you kind of just stay fresh and uh, ready to go. But I, I haven't hit any balls, but I picked it up and just try and feel it around and just have some imaginary thoughts. On the, on the positive side, would a shorter season be good in the fact that it would be, I mean, I mean, you've gone through college seasons before, physically, the demands of it. Um, obviously, it would be very intense, too, because every game would mean something. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be beneficial. You know, you, it's going to be dependent on how uh, some of the rosters and some of the, some of the guys on your, uh, on your roster are built up, ready to pitch and, and everything like that. But it's also – guys trying to stay ready for every game, you know, you're going to be on a time crunch where, you know, you may not get that luxury of going on a, you know, a road series and getting two or three days off in that span. You know, you may get one where you're playing a lot more than, you know, you're typically used to without getting some off days. Have you picked up any additional hobbies or anything else during this stretch uh, to try and occupy your mind? You mentioned the golf, but what else have you done to try and complete a day? Uh, we've, me and my girlfriend have, we've been doing some puzzles. I think we've got our last one that we're almost done with. Um, I've started playing video games again. I kind of gave that up after it was 2018, but I was, I also had gotten a dog. So I was kind of, I had to keep my focus on him, uh, cause he was a puppy. So I gave that up and just try to, to get away from that a little bit. And now I'm trying to find some more things to do and I just picked it back up again comes and goes. I started back up again a couple days ago, but I was probably, I've probably stopped for like two weeks of playing. I think I saw on Instagram, you're experimenting with your, uh, with the Traeger. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, one of my, uh, one of the guys in my agency, um, found a connection with them and you know, they were gracious enough to send a grill out and yeah, they, they hooked it up. They sent me a you know, grill, a bunch of accessories for it. I just got a hat from them today that I had no idea was coming. They gave me a bunch of rubs and uh, sauce, like barbecue sauces. So they hooked it up really well. And I love the grill. I've grilled a lot now that I've been home and had time to actually cook meals. So started experimenting a little bit more, maybe throw some ribs or some chicken wings on it. And I know it's been great for you guys to see Kyle and some of the other guys at Tropicana Field. Who have you communicated most with during this stretch? Really, I mean, I've talked with Kyle a lot. He's been really informational on some of this stuff just kind of trying to keep you motivated as well you know anytime we're there and um you know if he gets a phone call or he finds out some kind of information for us he passes it along right there he kind of he's trying to plan out how things would be um, to give you a mind like a you know a way to plan yourself so you know how mentally you want to prepare and so you're ready to go when you know if we do start a second spring training you're 
at a point where you feel comfortable to enter the season uh, when that would be over and just trying to make you feel as, as comfortable as you can in this crazy time. And we are closing in now on the 2020 draft. It's going to be very, very different from the one you were involved with three years ago. Have you chatted with any guys from Louisville, guys who might have been, let's say, recruited to the school when you were there or maybe were freshmen the year you were there? And, and what advice would you give players uh, who are going to be dealing with a very unique draft? Yeah, I mean, I haven't specifically contacted anybody. Uh, most of the guys that are in, the, in this draft, I was never around. Uh, but uh, for guys going through it, I'd just say – it's it's going to be a big thought for you uh, this year. You know, there's going to be a lot of weighing on decisions, and um, you know, it's it's going to be a tough thing not only for players but for teams too, trying to figure out. Um, you know, obviously, teams don't want to waste a lot of picks. You only get a certain amount this year, um, so it's going to be that too. You know, you've got to have an open mind with some of it, uh, and just go with your heart. I mean, you and your family whoever you have in your corner, talk with them and, and get the best feel you can out of them and you know, weigh the pros and cons. Well, obviously for you, the pros and cons have worked out pretty well so far in the start of your pro career. Uh, and we hope it's not long before we see you on the field playing in real games in the 2020 season. How's that sound? Yeah, I hope so too. Brendan, thanks very much for a few minutes. Absolutely. Thank you, Neil. That is Brendan McKay, and hopefully his bullpen on Friday is the start of his ramp up for a successful 2020 season. Next up, the man who will oversee Wednesday and Thursday's draft for the Rays. That is Senior Director of Amateur Scouting and Rob Metzler. And our first question for Rob is how difficult this draft is this year and what are the greatest challenges? It's, it's, it's a really unique situation so, uh, in terms of how challenging. I mean, they're just very – it's always a challenging process to, to uh, you know, to, to rank a prospect group. You know, we're, we're projecting – three, five, seven years down the road and, 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 you know, doing, doing that, it's an, it's the challenge that we embrace that we love Uh, this year. It's, you know, more so, you know, obviously the two differences being that, uh, you know, the kids haven't played since, you know, the the prospects haven't played since, since March 12th and, and they, uh, and we're doing all of our communication via, via zoom or phone, you know, so it's a very different situation. I, I, commend you know the staff you know our, our scouting staff and our, our group of staff members out in the field our you know our analysts who work out of the front office who are now working out of their homes they uh the creativity they've shown the the communication that they've that they've you know you know gone through you know over the past three months has been been tremendous in terms of just really listening absorbing processing you know different perspectives you know has put us in a position that you know, that we're excited about and, and we think we have a we're we're moving towards a board that we can uh we're shortly towards a board <laughs> that that we can uh that we can use as our game plan give our fans a feel as to what is and isn't allowed like obviously there are no games to watch but could if you wanted to zoom in on a personal workout can you could you have done that could you do that or is it just no. like conversations that you can have and that's no it? so so players have players have been able to post workouts or post bullpen sessions or batting practices through the MLB prospect draft link. Uh, very, you know, and, and those have been processed by the league to make sure that they're, you know, following socially distant, you know, all safety protocols. Very, you know, we, you know, we believe, you know, in terms of taking care of each community that our scout lives in and we believe in, you know, 
for the players who are in communities around the country. We want to make sure that they're following all safety protocols. Having said that, there are ways that kids, you know, absolutely within safety protocols can work out and can, can, can continue to develop. And if they want to share those, they're able to, but we, they want them to go through, you know, through the league database, which we're completely comfortable with. And then you guys, are you able to do Zoom calls with um, potential drafted guys that you're considering drafting and how important yes. are those in the yes. big picture? So we, we, we have been able to do, I mean, it, it has, it's been a positive, you know, it's something that in the past, you know, we would absolutely, you know, spend time, you know, but also airline flights and hotel miles to, to go visit a, a, a family in, in their house. You know, it, this has been efficient in some ways that maybe we can get a lot of the way there in terms of getting to understand the player, their family, their background, just starting to build a relationship that could lead to a great developmental relationship going forward. Uh, we've been able to get a lot of the way there, you know, via zoom, getting to know these kids even more. And, you know, I, again, we'll reiterate it kind of a broken record, commend, you know, our staff who already had, you know, it's probably easier when, you know, we have, in an area scout, a regional scout who already has a great relationship with a player to, you know, if, if they want to be joined by somebody, you know, from one of our national staff members, by myself, by somebody else in the front office and, you know, further that relationship as opposed to just starting a relationship, you know, it, it's a real, real positive. How much more important is signability? Because normally you have, you know, 10 rounds where you can kind of balance uh, your pool, so to speak, and adjust with only six picks. Does the signability factor factor in more this year than maybe other years? I, I mean, essentially, there's a you know, I, I would say that there's a you know, six picks as opposed to you know, eleven that fit within our within the bonus pool. I, I think I guess there is less less room for creativity and you know moving funds, moving funds between the assigned slot values. Uh, so I, so in that way, it's, you know, I guess it's important, but it, it's the same process in terms of really good communication with, with the families, really, you know, anybody who's helping those families work through those decisions, you know, really having very good communication and understanding about what our goals are and what their goals are. And you know, usually we can find, you know, and we can find enough fits, you know, there, there in terms of, having some, you know, good relationships, take the next step to, uh, to sign in a contract. And I think something that, you know, hasn't been talked about a lot is, you know, as we're in the middle of a pandemic is physicals. Um, normally what at the top X amount of prospects go through a pretty rigorous, they, they submit some, some information. Do they still have to do that through this? And how it, much is that kind of figure? Major League Baseball has done a great job and just in, in, as best as possible replicating the, the medical process. So we will, there, there will be some slight differences, but having said that, you know, I think everybody's done a great job in, in, in continuing to, we want to, you know, again, want to have as few surprises as possible and, and have as much information as possible to make these decisions and, you know, between players and communities around the country and, and major league baseball set forth guidelines. We've been able to get, get a lot of the way there. So we, we feel comfortable with that, about that. Where is the draft stronger? I've read that the college ranks, they say are a little better this year than in prior years. What's your feel? <laughs> I'm always hesitant to, because you know, uh, I'm always hesitant to answer that question. The, I, I guess the, 
the one thing that I feel comfortable saying is that, you know, in players in different developmental stages, um, you know, it's likely, it's probably, you know, in that time from being 17 to 18 years old, say, you know, 17 and a half to 18 and a half, or, you know, that developmental stage, it's probably, it's more likely that you're going to see huge jumps between the, between the summer and the fall and the winter and, and a spring season, you know, the kids getting bigger, faster, stronger, and, and taking that into the competition of the game. Uh, so with respect to, you know, the talent pool, it, it's hard for me to say, you know, you know, when we look back five or seven years from now, whether it's the great high school group, whether it's a great college group, it just some of the, the way, the nature of this spring, some of those high school players who might've been in the midst of making that jump, it's just, it, it's a challenge for us to, to process and understand exactly where they're at as opposed to the college players where they, many can make those jumps as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we see it within our system when, when players are 24, 25, 26. So there's no, there's no cap on when you can stop getting better. <laughs> you know, we, players are continuously, continuously developing, but within that specific high school class, you know, there's probably some, some players who've made huge strides who we just, it's, it's hard for us to process. And I guess a big piece of this too is what happens after the two days of the draft is the free agents because there's a $20,000 limit on, on what they can receive. Um, but there's not a limit on number of players you can sign. Normally, how many players do you usually sign after a draft class that are free agents? And do you guys at least have an idea as to how many you would sign this year? Like a neighborhood, whether it's five, ten. Typically, I mean, typically, I, I, to answer specifically, but we generally we sign a handful of players after after every draft, and, and we've had we, we are thrilled with the success that we've had. You know, and it's credit to to Mike Brasso or you know Tyler Zombro, you know those those players, you know, and that's you know just over the past few years, Kirby Yates was was one that we signed after the draft. And, you could, I don't know, I think it was 2009. It might've been 2010, but we're thrilled with the progress that those players have, have made. And, you know, it's a great you know, opportunity for them to continue to develop given the landscape, this, you know, always the, the talent needs to, to meet the opportunity. So we, I mean, we anticipate being active in that market, but it's also, you know, we also need to make sure that we have an opportunity for that prospect to go out and show us what they can do. You know, and, and, and we will be very open and communicate well in terms of, you know, for prospects to continue developing, you know, we want to make sure that we are the best spot for them. If, we, if the opportunity is not there, it's unfair for, for us to, to make a big sales pitch if, if really they would have a better opportunity to get bats and innings pitch, you know, staying in college. You know, that, that's something that we, we want to make sure, you know, I think obviously we want to accrue as much talent as possible within this process, but we don't want to put any, any prospects, any, any young baseball players in a bad situation. And do you think that future draft, how will future classes do you think be implicated by this um, whole situation? Like are 21 and 23 classes either with an increase in junior college kids or increase in kids going to college from high school. Do you think those classes may end up being a little stronger than maybe past years? I would expect the depth in those classes will be, <laughs> will be excellent, you know, and, and I would, some of that will creep up into, you know, players that, you know, there will absolutely be players who have been drafted in a typical year, six to 10 or in day three, you know, 
they'll go out and play next year and, and play their way into the top five rounds. So, you know, I think the competitiveness within those, you know, 21, 22 and 23, I think, yeah, there'll be steep competition amongst amateur baseball players to, to play their way into, into, into great draft spots. And, you know, that's a good thing for us, you know, in future years. Well, in the meantime, I know you got a lot to worry about with this current year going. We wish you a lot of luck uh, with the six picks you do have um, and whoever you sign thereafter. We appreciate some time on our latest podcast. Happy to, Neil. Really appreciate the time. And again, if you're wondering, the Rays have six picks in this year's draft, including 24 and 37 overall on Wednesday with four more selections on Thursday. Their topic last year was a talented switch hitter out of UNC Wilmington and Greg Jones, now joining us from his home in North Carolina. Greg, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, considering everything that has gone on, how are you and your family coping? Uh, I would say we're doing pretty well. You know, my mom's working from home. My dad still goes out to work, but he's pretty much on his own throughout the day, so that's not a big deal. And from a um, uh, timeline standpoint, does it feel like a year since uh, so the draft? Has it passed fast? Has it, has it gone uh, quickly? What's it been like? I would say it's gone pretty quickly because I haven't been around baseball that much. Been around baseball that much since we were supposed to be around. Since, since we were supposed to be getting, like, starting, starting up things right about now. So it's a little, it's a little different. Sure is. Um, what did it mean? Put some perspective on what it was like last year when you heard that name called and what it meant to not only you but your family. I mean, it's been a goal that I've been working for my whole life. So, you know, it was definitely a relief to hear my name called. I would say it was pretty big for a big, big time in our life for both of us. You know, it's been something I've been working for my whole life. So, you know, it was nice to see something actually come from it. And it's definitely changed our lives a lot. You know, I went out and bought my parents a new, new house to stay in while I was gone. So I just did little things for them. That's uh, that's heartwarming. What was what was the reaction like when you told them you were buying them a, a new home? Well, they kind of knew like I was going to do something along those lines for them after if I was going to get drafted like I thought I was going to. But I'm sure it still had to be somewhat emotional. I mean, your mom oh, and dad yeah, worked for you all li- all your life, and and now you're paying it forward, so to speak. Yeah, it, def- it definitely was heartwarming for them and you know they thank me for it all the time were you surprised it was the raise and if so why were you surprised uh i wasn't really surprised i had like a like a little area that my agent told me to look out for and you know if it wasn't going to be one team it was going to be this team and you know i kind of knew it was going to be the raise when it came down to things and there was a connection there i mean the fact that your first big league game was actually a tropicana field when you were a little kid was we saw Josh Hamilton play there actually what do you remember about that I mean you were how old at the time I was probably like four or five so I don't remember much (laughs) um and you had a really good first year um in the organization playing in Hudson Valley I mean uh, you hit 335 you had 19 steals your OPS was near 900 what did you like about what you did and what did you learn um in that half season at Hudson Valley? You know, I, I, honestly, I don't – obviously it was a new situation for me, but I honestly love playing in new situations because it gives me a chance to just be myself and have other people like me. 
You actually went to the Dominican too for um, their study abroad program. How did that open your eyes? And and what did it? Uh, what did you appreciate coming out of that trip? I definitely opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of new things, like seeing where some of our guys came from. Like we got to go see where uh, Vidal Bruhan grew up, and like where ultimately like where they came from and to where they are now is just unreal and it takes a lot of hard work to get there and i know that they put in a lot of hours to do what they had to do culturally does it help too to be able to understand your teammates that much better yeah it does you know it's seen like i wouldn't say you like treat them differently just because they came from like where they did but like you can kind of understand like what is what's like what's the life like back at home for them so, you know, you can just, you know, kind of relate to them a little bit. And you came into this season, if I remember right, in really, really good shape compared to, I mean, it looked like you put on some weight, some strength from a year ago. What did you do um, in the off season, and how much bigger, stronger are you than from last year? Um, I worked out with this, uh, with a guy named Hudson Rose down in Wilmington for a majority of the off season. And we just had me doing a lot of baseball-specific lifts, you know, just staying in shape. Well, and then getting like closer when closer when things got closer to coming about, getting into baseball shape. And I don't know, I put on about I was weighing about 190 when I went back into for spring training. And that compares to where when you let's say were in Hudson Valley last year. She sounds probably like one barely 180. Did you notice and did you feel a difference? And how did you think it was going to help you this year? Because it, it certainly looked good. Honestly, I couldn't really get the chance to, like, tell it because then we never got into, like, game <laughs> situations. And we barely started hitting live BP. So, you know, I really wasn't – I didn't get to feel the full effect of it. What was it like and what do you remember about hearing the announcement, hey, camp's going to break, you guys are going to go home? It was – like I didn't know what to expect and how long we'd be home. There's just it just brought up a bunch of questions, like how long we were going to be home. And how are you coping now? Um, what uh, what has what have you made your routine? Because I think baseball players are so routine oriented. What have you done to kind of keep yourself as sharp as you possibly can? Well, you know, I've been I got a I have a full bit ba- a full gym in my basement now loaned to me by the guys I used to work out with when I was in high school and in college. In those off-seasons, I used to work out with them. So I have a whole squat rack and, like, a bunch of dumbbells that I can use all in my basement. And I lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'll run a couple of those days with my girlfriend or I'll do some form running with my guys over at Diamond Fit – not Diamond Fit, but uh, the Edge Sports Performance. And then from a baseball standpoint, do you have a, a, a net a, – a anywhere to throw what types of baseball stuff do you get to do well i have a net that i hit into in my and just in my backyard when i can when it's not raining we've had pretty bad weather here lately mm-hmm. and you know my friend my buddy landon root from wilmington has been coming down to my house room working out with him and then throwing with him while he's here and what would be the advice that you would give Greg, to guys who are going to be in this year's draft class? What, you know, because now you've had a year of professional, well, I would say a half year of professional experience because this half, unfortunately, hasn't really gotten started as you would have hoped. But what advice would you give to someone who's coming out in this year's class? Well, I feel like their, their draft this year is going to be a whole lot different than mine was. But I would just remind them, never forget where you came from. 
Well, obviously you've taken care of your, your, your mom and dad, which is great, is beyond your immediate family. Is everybody else uh, that you know healthy? Because I know North Carolina has seen a, a real rise in, um, in coronavirus cases in the last several weeks. Yeah, everyone in my family, immediate and unimmediate family has been all healthy. Well, that's great. And my hope is, is that it won't be long before, you know, in some way, fashion or form, we can see you on the field again. Um, I know there are very high hopes for you in the organization and uh, excited for what is to come for you in the future. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to actually get back on the field. We hope it's not long before Greg is able to work out with Ray's minor leaguers again, but we're not quite sure when that will be. We do know, again, the draft for this year is Wednesday and Thursday, and each season, regardless of the circumstances, we chat with this person, and that is the guy from MLB.com and MLB Network in Jonathan Mayo. Jonathan? Always a pleasure, Neil. Tell me this. Is it because of this uniqueness, you think it's harder for the – um, teams themselves to deal with their unique circumstances or harder to actually now predict what those teams are going to do with the unique circumstances? Well, you know, I think it's always harder for the teams, you know, because for us, if we, as I like to say, we're not signing the checks. So um, if we get it wrong, so be it. Uh, for them, uh, it, it, is, it is more challenging. Um, I think that they're, they're ready to go. They've been ready to go for a while. Uh, I think the proliferation of summer you know, events uh, helps. Obviously, not having an entire spring to scout players uh, makes it really, really difficult. Um, so you have to rely on the summer. And if there are players who weren't seen much over the summer uh, and didn't play much this spring, it's awfully hard to get a sense of, you know, where you should take them in an R and where you project them to go. Does this become much more of a college draft then because of the way the draft has been shortened than in other years? It, you know, it works out nicely that this is a draft-heavy class, uh, especially up, up top. So it, 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 it kind of works nicely. I think, yes, the, the top high school guys are, are going to go, especially the high school hitters, I think, will invariably get drafted. There's a trio of high school arms uh, that I think, by and large, will get you know, drafted, if not in the first round, then we'll get paid well enough to begin their pro careers. I think it's that second tier uh, that maybe you used to see go in, you know, the, the, the third round, the start of day two had become kind of famous the last few years of, of guys going and, and getting, you know, uh, paid over slot to, to sign. I don't know that you're going to see that quite as much. There's not as much flexibility for teams. Uh, they don't have all 10 rounds. You're not going to see the college seniors go to offset paying those guys. So I think those are the guys who could um, end up going on to college more so than they have in the past with the cloud over college baseball being the one caveat. Like I, I think there's a lot of chaos on that end too. And those questions need to be answered for these kids to feel like, all right, if I'm going to go to college program X, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And they may not get all those answers. That's kind of the right. hard part of this. It, from your standpoint, because of how truncated it is, you mentioned the overslot and underslot signs. Are we going to see much less of that this year because of being only five rounds? For instance, the Rays have six picks. Do you expect this to be much more of a two-slot draft than other years? Um, maybe overall. I, I still think, you know, any team like the Rays that has an extra pick, you could see, you know, if there's a, a guy that they want to take with their first-round pick uh, that they – can cut a deal with who they like, 
then maybe they can go aggressively, uh, you know, after someone later on. Now, their, their two picks, you know, their extra pick and their first-round pick aren't separated by all that much. Mm-hmm. Not as much wiggle room. If, if, say, they pick – let's say, like, the Pirates who pick seventh and then 30-something. You know, mm-hmm. if they wanted to, and I'm not saying they're going to, they could save a little bit more money up top. And then if there's one of those high school guys that, that gets down to them at 37, they, they might have the wherewithal to, to do that. Um, I think any of the teams that have higher bonus pools can do that if they want to. Uh, I, I don't know that there's quite as much wiggle room as there, there might have been because you could go all in and then take three college seniors at $5,000 each you know, in rounds six, seven, eight. You can't do that anymore. No. And, and at the top of the draft itself, before we kind of get to the race perspective, um, you guys have had pretty much the same guy, Spencer Torkelson going one out of Arizona State, Austin Martin of Vanderbilt going two, and then Asa Lacey at three. Um, give us a feel for each of those guys and how strong the top of the draft is. Yeah, like I said, it's very college-heavy uh, at the top. I think we could see a scenario where nine of the top ten picks all are college guys. Uh, Spencer Torkelson is one of the best-hitting prospects to come out in, in quite some time. Um, I feel like I'm parroting my colleague Jim Callis, who, who does like to point out that evaluators think he may be the best all-around hitting prospect since Mark Teixeira, and that was 2001. Just the combination of the, the hit tool, an unbelievably advanced approach at the plate, and plus power to all fields. Um, you know, I think we put a 60 on each. It could be better than that, um, you know, which is why, you know, we have him in the top spot, even though a right-handed first baseman has never gone number one overall, which is kind of insane. I always check every time. I'm like, wait, is that right? Because that it, it never, but that's true. Um, he's athletic enough where, you know, let's say the Tigers take him and they have uh, someone at first base and they think that he's, he's ready. Uh, he could probably play left field and, like, play pretty well. He takes ground balls at third base. Um, I, I think, you know, I think that could work. Austin Martin is probably the best pure hitter in the, in the class, especially among the, the college. Just an innate ability to barrel up the baseball. Uh, he can impact it. There, there's not a ton of power right now, but he might have that average power when all is said and done. Uh, again, advanced approach, uh, a lot of extra base hits. Where he plays defensively I think is still up in the air, but not because he's a bad defender. Uh, the arm was the problem, so I, I think he could play second base. I know there are some people who think he could end up being an above-average-plus defender in, in center field, even though he's not a plus runner. Uh, so maybe if you want him up the middle, those are the two spots. But the bat is going to move him quickly. And these days, I, I, you know, positional flexibility is a plus now for me. Like, I don't think it's a, a liability. And then Asa Lacy is the best pitcher in the class, the lefty out of Texas A&M. Uh, he's the one guy who sort of separated himself in the brief time that there was a season, um, you know, I wonder if there had been a full spring and he kept pitching like that, if maybe he would be more seriously considered at one um, or two, you know, maybe they want bats, but uh, some people don't love his delivery, but I think he's going to be just fine. He has a chance to be a frontline starter when all is said and done. With what we said about the way the draft may or has changed this year, do you think it has a dramatic impact on years 21 and 23? Uh, in terms of the strength of those classes because a guy's going to college or junior college? Yeah, it could. I mean, I think it remains to be seen next year. Like, I have no idea. A lot of people think it's going to be this immensely, you know, rich draft because there are going to be enough players who don't sign and then go back to college. Um, 
I'm going to be curious to see how many guys sign for what's offered to them in the top five rounds or just decide, you know, I'm going to take the 20,000. I want to start playing, uh, especially because, listen, baseball programs, even the big ones, they only have so many scholarship spots. And these schools have recruiting classes coming in. Now, mm-hmm. you pick and you decide to come back, you're going to have a spot to play. But if, uh, if you're a, a guy who was kind of on his way, way out and may have been a director maybe $20,000 because you may go back and and there may not be a place to play I think there's a lot of people transferring uh, because of that just trying to find Um, I think junior colleges are going to be really 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 good because if if I'm a high school guy who you know is good but not quite good enough to necessarily go in the top five rounds you could go to a good junior college program if you improve then you're going to go when it goes back presumably a, a longer draft in 2021. Certainly a fair point. Um, and in terms of the Rays, we've, we've touched on it. They do have six picks. They seem to have done a pretty good job the last couple of years in terms of their overall drafts. Uh, the last several mocks, you've had them taking a high school arm from Texas and Jared Kelly. Obviously, when you get down to 24, who knows how it's going to play out before then. But what do you like about Kelly if he is one of the guys that they're considering? Yeah, he, the high school arms are really hard to place. There are three of them. And honestly, any of the three could be there when the Rays pick. And, you know, I think it, it becomes an easy thing without any real knowledge of what the Rays are going to do um, for them to be willing to take the, the high upside guy. Now, they also could go another route and hope one of those arms gets to them uh, with the comp pick. Um, Jared Kelly's a, a right-hander from Texas, uh, fairly physically mature, uh, you know, chance to have three above-average-plus pitches, Pretty good command, and he's really good. It's just, you know, he wasn't seen this spring that much, but he had a, he had a good overall summer. Um, Mick Abel's a guy from Oregon who I think, you know, we've largely projected to be the first guy of the high school arms to go off the board. And then the one who's really tough to figure out is Nick Bitsko, and uh, he's from Eastern Pennsylvania. He reclassified. Uh, so he pitched in some of the things over the summer, but scouts weren't really paying any attention to him because they didn't think he was – going to be in this class and because he's from eastern pennsylvania he didn't throw a pitch this year competitively so he's a tough one to place i could see the rays being one of those teams because of the extra pick being interested in taking a guy like that um you know especially because he's going to expect to make a, a certain amount of money i think coming out of the draft because if he were in the class of 2021 or if he had gone out this spring this is a guy who had top 10 talent all three of those high school arms are potential top 10 talents who could be around for the Rays when they, when they pick for the first time. And you guys have had, at least in your mocks, you've had Kelly consistently the last few, but I think I look back to April, you guys had in that spot a college kid. I think, you know, so the, the two things that are at play is those trio of high school arms, and then there's a, it's a really deep pool of college pitching. Yeah, so that's where I think, you know, a team like the Rays will have to make a decision because they could go after the high school arm first, and then – I can almost guarantee there's going to be a solid college arm for them and their compact. A guy like Slate Ciccone is probably going to be gone, although you don't, you don't know um, because there's so many of them. And it's, it's splitting hairs, I think, whether you like one guy more than the other. Chris McMahon is another guy from Miami who could go somewhere in that neck of the woods, kind of a higher floor guy. Ciccone's got a higher ceiling, but a little more risk involved. Tommy Mace from Florida's. Not really a first rounder, so he could be there in the comp round. That's a pretty good starting pitcher profile there. So 
uh, there will be a deep pool that if, you know, depending on how the Rays want to do it, they could go really aggressive, high upside first, knowing that there's probably going to be a college pitcher who would be interested for them to take in that, in that compound. And there's some college bats too. You know, it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's definitely going to be a, a pitcher when all is said and done. And I'm also curious how, what P teams do, the Rays obviously, especially after round five, because we don't know what the minor leagues are going to look like next year. Um, and we have seen the Rays do very well in late, late rounds, Kier Myers, or with guys who are non-drafted, whether it's Mike Brasso, Tyler Zombro, guys like that. That is the great unknown. It's, a, it's like a new frontier. It's kind of an open market, but with a hard cap, right? So teams can sign as many guys as they want, but only for $20,000, right? So the, the teams that have perhaps greater financial flexibility than the Rays or the Pirates in my hometown could sign 150 guys if they wanted to without any place for them to go necessarily. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, and I don't know how many of the players are going to be willing to sign for 20. I think those college seniors that would have signed for five might still sign for, you know, maybe they hold out for the 10 or the 20 that was happening anyway, uh, Neil, you know, teams were approaching the good college seniors and saying, Hey, when you sign for $5,000 in the sixth round, they're like, no, cause I know you're going to give me at least twice that after the 10th round. So I think you're going to see those college seniors still sign for 10 to $20,000. Um, it's a question of how many of the, the juniors who feel like they really want to get going are going to be willing to sign. Definitely would agree on that. And it's going to be interesting to watch what happens this coming week. Uh, Jonathan will be there to cover it from his home in Pennsylvania. And we appreciate you joining us on our Zoom call for our latest podcast. My pleasure, Neil. We appreciate the time of Jonathan Mayo, but also that of the Rays' Brendan McKay, Rob Metzler, and also prospect Greg Jones. Later this week, we will have a special alumni podcast with Johnny Gomes. And who knows what uh, else we'll have in store for you, perhaps a podcast with this year's top picks for the Rays. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, continue to treat others as you want to be treated, and we'll chat with you soon. 